0: Hey, hey, did you have a fun day, everybody? Yeah, you tried to stay warm a little bit? You tried? Yeah, I know. I got you. I got you. All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's get to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Then, remember he's just been vomited out of a fish, he's just repented, God I'm, I'm, I'm going to go the way you want me to go, I'm going to do what you want me to do. So then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against, uh, call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was ex- a, an exceedingly great city. It was actually the, the capital of Assyria. Three days journey in breath, Joab began to go into the city, going only a day's journey, and he, and he kind of called out, uh, yet uh, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people, people of Nineveh believed God. They called out for fast and put on sackcloths, which is what you would show in repentance, from the greatest to the least of them, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles: Neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. And when God saw what they did and how they had turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said that he would do to them. And he did not do it. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives and in our hearts. Thank you how you're using your truth to reveal Things about us, but more importantly, things about you. I pray tonight as we, we lean into the greatest story ever told, that you would awaken us, Spirit of God, to this truth. Awaken us to the reality of who you are, your grace and your mercy and your love and your pursuit in the midst of our depravity. We love you, we praise you, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And everybody said, amen. When I was a kid, uh, we didn't have much money. Uh, <clears throat> we were so kind of poor that we used to have to go to Goodwill to get underwear. So I used to get my underwear at Goodwill. How you like me now, right? Still do that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, th- so we didn't have a lot of money. Mom and dad didn't have a ton. Uh, but I remember uh, for one birthday... My uh, parents had had been saving, and they allowed me to go to this magical place that doesn't exist anymore, but it did for a long time called Toys R Us. And so, how many of you remember Toys R Us? Yeah. So, Toys R Us for me as a kid was like Disneyland. We the kid didn't get to go to Disneyland, so when I went to Toys R Us, it was like it's magical. You know, it was just it was so amazing and everything. But it was like a bunch of stuff I couldn't have, but I could dream about and talk about. So one day, my dad takes me into Toys R Us and says, "Pick out a bike." So that. That was during time when BMX bikes were really the kind of the rage, and everybody was doing them. And so, I I got this one bike. It was called the Viper. It was all chrome, and on the on the pedals were Viper teeth. Check that out. Like it was all it was like super cool. So, uh, my dad, I get it home, and my dad. We used to go on these uh, walks as a family uh, every uh, uh, every Sunday. And so my uh, my dad said, you know, hey, I know you want to take your new bike but it had hand grips, you know, like hand brakes. It didn't have like foot brakes. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So he was like, listen, you're not strong enough yet to grip those brakes. So don't, don't take the bike by yourself because we lived at the very top of a hill. So he's like, don't, you're not strong enough to yet to do that. And so don't, don't take the bike yet. We got to work into that. You got to get stronger. And I was like, what do you know, dad? Right. So um, I was like, you know, my dad went to go help my sisters go get ready, and I jumped on the Viper, and I just started off down the hill. I was like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, don't hold me down. Don't hold the Viper down. Like, this baby's got to roll, because I was all excited, right? And so he said, listen, if you go do this, you're going to get hurt. And I was like, no, I'm not. It's no big deal. So I get on the Viper, and I start on the top of the hill, and I start rolling down the hill, right? And everything's cool, right? I'm having a good time. I'm, like, in my head thinking to my, uh, you know, about my dad like he's crazy, has no idea what he's talking about. Everything's fine. There is a point at a hill, and I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to bring in some physics, but there is a, a point on a hill where everything's chill, right? Everything's cool. And then there's this point, it's called terminal velocity, where you go from like, hey, this is fun to, oh my gosh, I'm going to die, right? So I went from like, everything's cool and having a great time to I'm going to die, you know, and everything's like this. But I reverted back to old bike technology. Old bike technology is like you slam on the brake. You know what I mean? You know how you used to skid er, like that? Okay. So I did that. And do you know that that pedal came back around and it bit me in the shin. Okay, because it has teeth. Remember, the pedals have teeth. And now I'm bleeding, like insult to injury. I'm going to die. I'm bleeding. And I'm going as fast as I can down this hill going, ah, right? So at the bottom of this hill, it wasn't like a ah. It like went into concrete. So I hit the concrete. I flip over the front of my bike. I go through a briar bush. And I land on my back upside down. And pass out. This is an interesting story that we find ourselves in here. Such a bizarre story, but this is the story that is going to be told to us all throughout Scripture, over and over and over. And something really important to come to understand that where Jonah fails, Jesus succeeds. Where Jonah fails, Jesus succeeds, and here's what I want to tell you. The power was not in Jonah's presentation, it was in the presence of God. The spirit of God was moving in this moment with these depraved people that God cared about, that God loved, and that God showed, and God did not give up on, but this story is not a standalone. In fact, in Luke 8, there's a story. It's called the greatest story that was ever been told. And it's the story, and ironically, it's called the story of the prodigal son, but it's so much bigger than that. Because in this story, there's two sons and there's a father. And you have the one son, he's kind of the goody-goody, right? He's got everything going on. He's great, right? He's a good kid. He does all the right things. He's the kid that's always going to dad, going, dad, you see what I did? Dad, you see what I did? You see how I did that? You see how I did that good thing, dad, dad? And he's just waiting for his dad's approval. And dad's like, good job, son. He's like, yeah, I know. I did a good job, right? And then you got this other son that always feels held down by dad, right? He's just like, dad doesn't get it. Dad doesn't know. Like, he's always trying to prevent me. He's always, he's so safe. And he's telling me I can't do this. And he's always overprotective. And there's a whole world out there I want to experience that I want to see. And so this prodigal son comes to his father and says I want what's mine. And he asks for his a third of his inheritance which essentially is what his, what he says to his father. I wish you were dead. As he requests for these funds, he basically says to his father, I wish you were dead. Cuz I want mine you've been holding me down. It's now for, time for me to live my truth, to live my life, to do what I want to do. And you've been telling me all this time that I can't do stuff. And now it's time for me to really live. Now in he, Jewish culture at the time, the father had every right to kill the son, right? Right? We need to get back to some of that. You know what I'm talking about? You disrespect your parents and they're just like, go out, the neighbors are gonna stone you. Guess what? You're not mouthing off to your parents anymore, are you? Oh, you guys think you're all so cool mouthing off to your parents. Back in Jewish, they're like, go outside, the neighbors got a treat for you, right? <laughs> but this, according to law, they could literally, he could, the father could have literally dragged his kid out into the neighborhood. All the neighbors would have stoned him because the disrespect was so violent. In fact, when they were telling this story, when Jesus was telling this story, you would have heard a gasp from the crowd at what the father did next. What does the father do? He gives him his inheritance. The the crowd would have gasped. How dare you? Do you not hear how he's insulted you? Do you not know that land is life? And you're just going to let him go away? He's going to squander it. He's going to live his truth and do his thing. You're just going to let him do that? And Jesus says, let's continue on with the story. And so he starts telling the story. It's kind of this Nineveh story. The story of a people who just went away. They forgot about who they were. They forgot that they were uh, made and put together in the image of God for his glory and his honor. And instead, they started living these hedonistic lives where they just did what they want to do. So the, the younger son, this younger son goes away. And he starts living this very lavish influencer life, right? He's, he's got all kinds of followers. Everybody loves him. Everyone's tagging him, and everyone's doing all that great stuff. And he just, just feels like he's, he's flipping the bill at all the different places. He's living out his me first dreams, his my truth dreams. He's living them out. Don't hold me down. What was dad thinking? This is better. By the way, did you know? that if sin wasn't awesome and fun, nobody would do it. right? so he's just living a very sinful life, a very fun, rebellious from God life. And then all of a sudden, and this is the story, if you read through scripture over and over and over and over, and this may be your story too, it all changes All the friends go away. All the money goes away, the full weight of what he's done has gone away, and he finds himself alone, alone, alone. I think a lot of people feel alone in their rebellion, and they're trying to convince themselves, maybe like you, that you're fine, that you got, you got it all together, but you know you don't. You you can't lie to that voice inside of you that long. You know, you feel it, and here we find this prodigal son who had it all together just for a little bit, and then all of a sudden he finds himself doing things that he never thought he would do. And he finds himself in deep, utter regret. Sin. He feels the weight of his depravity, the weight of his sin. Sin. He starts to understand who his father is. And in this story, the father is God. God hates sin. He hates it. God has to hate sin. He's holy, holy, holy. He is set apart. We want God to hate sin. I want you to know that. You want God to hate sin. He is holy. He is set apart. He hates sin, which means this. As a result of us being sinful, the scriptures would say we are enemies of God. Oh, but we don't like that in our culture, in this inclusive culture where we said, no, not everybody. No, 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 we don't like that narrative about God that people are sinful, that people are separated. We don't like that, but that is the reality. That is the truth. The prodigal son is separated from the father's home because of sin, because he rejects the father's generosity, his love, his commitment to the son. He rejects him. So what does the son do? The son starts conjuring up this reality. It actually says in scriptures, and I love this, it says that he came to his senses. It's like he woke up. Something inside of him who had been pursuing this very sinful, separated life, he starts to realize this is bad. And I've done wrong. The Ninevites start to realize that the way they've been living, even if the proclamation of what Jonah brought to them was so pathetic, but the Spirit of God was doing a work in their lives. The Spirit of God was doing a work in this son's life. And he comes to his senses. Now, once you come to your senses, you are responsible for, your, for what you do next. And what the son does next is he remembers the father. Oh, my dad's so gracious, so loving, so kind. He treats everyone that way. He even treats the servants, the lowest of the low. If you read all throughout scripture and see what Jesus did to the poor and to the lowly, if you read through the whole whole Testament and the way that it uplifts the low of of our culture, of our society, He talks about what true worship is and how it isn't just about doing all the right things. It's caring for those that everybody else says doesn't matter in our society. He starts to remember that about who his father is. And he's like, maybe he will have grace and mercy on me. The Ninevites go, maybe, just maybe. Maybe he'll turn from his anger maybe he'll turn from his sins. But here's what's interesting what the son does. He does what we do all the time. He starts creating this kind of, how can I make up for what I did bad kind of stuff, right? And so he starts kind of creating this thing. Okay, I'm going to go to the father. I'm going to walk home. He's probably not going to take me back, but I'm going to go home, and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sin against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just take me on as a slave. Like, I'll just be like a slave. I'll be the lowest of the low. Like, just take me. Like, and he's he's trying to basically go like, listen, don't, 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 don't bring me back as a son. I don't deserve that. And initially we look at that and we go, wow, that's really humble. But in reality, what he's trying to do is like still trying to own it because we still try to do that. We try to earn our salvation. We try to earn our, and we try to say, look at all the good works I've done. Look at all the good things I do. But here's what Nineveh realized. Nineveh's helpless without God's intervention. We are helpless without God's intervention. And so the son returns home. And can you imagine what he's thinking as he's walking home? Put yourself in his shoes. Because maybe it's you right now. He's walking home. And he's rehearsing this speech over and over. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've done all these bad things. I've hurt you. Maybe you feel this. Maybe you're just like, do you know what I've done? Do you know the sins I've committed? Do you know how I've hurt my mom and dad? Do you know the thoughts I've thought, the words, the images I've seen? Like, there's no way that God wants me, that he could love me. And so he starts walking home, and he's rehearsing this thing. He's come to his senses, but he's still not fully sure of who the father is, and he comes home. And from a distance, he sees his dad. And what has his dad been doing? His dad's been waiting. Waiting. But the son's perception, you can almost feel it. His dad starts seeing his son come, and the father starts running towards the son, and he's thinking in his head what? Oh, no! He's going to kill me, right? If you saw, if after you've, you've, you basically told your dad, I want you dead, and then you squandered all of his wealth and, and kind of told you, I'm just going to do what I want to do, and now you come home, and this dude starts running towards you, he's like, he's going to kill me. And so you're thinking, oh, no, okay, just remember, just go through what you rehearsed. Okay, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, I'm not worthy to be called your son, and maybe he'll slow down, right? But he runs, and then what happens next is the father starts to hug him and embrace him and kiss him, and you can almost hear him go, no, 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 Stop. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve this love. I don't deserve this kiss. I don't deserve this care. I don't. And the Father's like, I've been waiting for you. We missed you. I thought you were gone and you came home. We've been praying for you and believing that you would come to your senses, that the Spirit of God would intervene in your life and you would finally give up. Finally come to your end and realize that you can't earn my love. I bring you back freely. He completely denies this exuberant kind of thing that the son is trying to do to earn the father's love. He's like, I don't need that. You're home. I love you. And I care for you. You're my son. And as I was laying there on the ground, I woke up I passed out, and there was an old lady looking over me, and I thought, I knew it. Heaven's full of old people. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Oh, man. And she was like, are you okay? And I couldn't talk. And I turned my head, and I looked up the hill. So I'm laying between two rocks and two trees, and I look up the hill, and I see my dad running towards me. And I can only imagine in my mind how, what he must be thinking, how angry he must be with me. And he didn't say a word. He picked me up. He carried me home. He pulled the thorns out of my flesh and never once pointed his finger in my chest and said, how dare you? He just loved me. Can I just tell you this? For God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to die for you there has to be a sacrifice to appease the anger of God there has to be a substitution and as Jesus hangs on the cross for the sins of the world he says father forgive them they don't know what they do. And then he pronounces out loud, Eli, Eli Lama Shabakhsini. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me as he takes on the sins of the world? And then this mystical moment that we don't fully grasp, we just know because the spirit of God is working in our hearts right now. That that's you and that's me and He loves us, and He runs to us. He runs to you, in your sin. He runs to you in your hurt. You are not too far gone. You are not too far gone. You have not done enough to reject the love of the Father. It says in Corinthians that in Corinthians two five, or Second Corinthians five twenty one, for our sake He made Him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The moment that you come to your senses and that you come home, you are made righteous because of Jesus' death and his resurrection. He paid the price for you. He loves you. And nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing He loves you. Stop running. Nineveh stops running and they repent. They repent. Have mercy on us, oh God. Have mercy on our sins. And God says yes. Because someone paid the price. I don't know where you are in your story. But I feel this story. This is my story. I know what our culture says about these stories. That there's just these historical things and that we have to say these things to make ourselves feel better. But deep in your soul you know you need saving. Deep in your soul you know that you cannot keep living in soul sickness. And where Jesus wants to bring you life and life to the full. This is what he offers to you and to me. The son realizes he can't keep running. Nineveh realizes it can't keep doing this way. And so what does it do? It pleads for mercy. The word that we use in scripture is it repents. I was going this way. And this was destruction. And then the Spirit of God met me and helped me understand that I need saving and that Jesus has paid the price for me and I run into his presence because he's paid the price. He's done the work. Not me. Not me. We are sinful, but God, he is holy and he ran to Nineveh Despite all the failures of Jonah, he ran to Nineveh and he runs to you and to me through the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that death couldn't hold him down. He resurrects in power and he lives today in each and every one of us who profess him as Lord and Savior. This is what he's calling us into, this life and life to the full, this peace beyond all understanding, this joy and suffering that we can live free Free, free because of what Jesus did. That he covers our sins as the, as the snow out here covers the mud before you arrived. This blanket of snow covers a depravity that covers this valley. And it's a picture of what Jesus' death did for your sins. I told you about our daughter, Wasuntha, in India. But what I didn't tell you is that adoption failed. And it was really painful for us. For almost three years of trying, it failed. That broke our hearts. We weren't sure quite what to do with that. I told you about my son getting cancer. Halfway through that process, my wife and I feel convicted that we need to adopt. We need to start going through an adoption process because at that time in Phoenix, it was so bad. And there were so many kids in the system. We just felt like we've got to do this. We know what Jesus has done for us, and, and we've got to go after this. And so we said, God, we don't know what to do, but we're going to put this in your hands. And so, um, and so we started going through a process. And, and as a result of that process, we ended up going through a process with our four-year-old daughter at the time, Mika. Mika Megoki. And, but her name used to be, her name, her real name was Payne. And so we brought Payne into our home, and we fostered her for a period of time. And then after that, we went through a really um, amazing adoption process. because African American and American Indian. And so we had to go through this process, and we had to work with her tribe. And, and I remember her adoption day. It was in, it's in April, and we we're coming up on her gotcha day here and and we're sitting in the courtroom and and they go through this whole procedure and you know they basically say you're a goki and then we all cheered it was really cool right it was such a beautiful moment so what you do next is you kind of go into this clerk station and so we go into this clerk station with our four-year-old little girl that we've just adopted we love her so much you know and they they slide across the counter our certificate and as you read on the certificate, it says birth, m- birth name, or birth mother, Patty Goki, which broke our hearts, but also reminded us that she's been adopted into our family. This pain and this hurt that she was a part of, this depravity of what she was a part of. But now she has a new name. A new family. And it's put on a certificate that says she's a goki. The moment you choose Jesus to finally, li- lean- finally lean into the spirit of God because he chose you first. That when you finally respond to that, he, ca- he, just, he just goes, adopted. Daughter of the most high God. Son of the most high God. Family. <laughs> family. You're part of a family the moment you received this gift. Ephesians says, this isn't because of anything you've done. It's a free gift that's given to you. A free gift of family, a free gift of righteousness, where there was sin, where you were an enemy of God, and you received this free gift of God that he wants to give to you. I'm not up here to sell you anything. I'm only here to tell you my story, and my story is this: that I now have fully understand the the weight of my sin, and that it cost the Son, the sinless Son of God, His life. And He ran after me in the same way He ran after Nineveh. I, I get Nineveh. I am Nineveh. And He met me in that pain. And he met me in that hurt, and I said, I I need you. As I told you in talk number one, if you don't know you're sinful, you'll never know you need saving. You have to finally come to the understanding that you can't do anything to earn heaven. And that's why Jesus had to step into your place as the perfect sacrifice. And that was the plan. It's always been the plan as a result of sin entering this god's good world and he's inviting you into that same moment that you would respond to the spirit of god's conviction in your heart right now so here's what we're going to do i'm just going to have you in front of your peers scripture says if you acknowledge me here on earth i'll acknowledge you in heaven which means this this is a bold moment This is a moment where you want to respond to what you've heard. Now, some of you have made a commitment to follow Jesus. You don't need to do this over and over and over and over, right? But for some of you, you need to respond to the word of God. You need to respond to what you've heard, that you are sinful and that you need saving and that Jesus is the one who does the saving and that he saved you. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you to stand up in front of your peers and receive that free gift that you cannot earn so do that now if you would like to respond to this truth you can stand now in front of your peers Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? That took a lot of bravery to stand in front of your peers. Thank you, thank you. Takes a lot of guts to stand up in front of your friends. Yeah, it really does. I know, thank you. Here's the thing. It takes a lot you guys can sit down yeah it it takes a lot it takes a lot to stand up in front of your peers you know what it takes a lot and I know some of you you might go I I didn't stand I guess I missed my shot and it doesn't mean you missed your shot at all it just means you need to confess to someone listen I need Jesus I want Jesus because we'll we'll give you some instructions here at the end and um, but just stay back you know it, there's nothing that's really that cool that's going to happen after this i promise you but like if you're like i didn't stand you didn't miss your shot just stay back here in a little bit I, and, and talk to somebody hey i got something going on maybe you're like i got some real sin going on and i haven't confessed it to anybody and that's that's you you really should do that you should do that tonight Talk to somebody about what's going on inside of your soul. Talk to somebody about how you're responding to the Spirit of God and what He's convicting you to do. You know. You know. So let let me pray for you. Mm. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this moment. You're working here. We, We sense it. We feel it. We're so grateful for your scriptures that it just recaps our lives. It shows us how we're in need of saving and how you do such a beautiful saving work through your son, Jesus. And we proclaim you, Jesus. We say thank you. Thank you for being obedient under the cross so that we are now be called the righteousness of God We're friends of God, sons and daughters of the Most High, as a result of your sacrifice, your sinless sacrifice that we did not earn. It's a free gift, and we say thank you, and we celebrate you tonight. I pray for those that your spirit is is convicting and they're wrestling. I pray that they would be bold and ask for help, ask to talk to somebody. Thank you for being so faithful to meet those who are asking, to meet those who are in need of saving. We love you, we thank you, we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, amen.